Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. But, um, it's a huge privilege to be together tonight. Um, uh, as I mentioned Olivia Grace, I've been th- uh, thinking a little while because around her birth because we are pregnant with number two, which is very exciting. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, for the two of you who are excited with me, um, appreciate that. I'll uh, thank you guys afterwards by name. But um, the the reason why it's, it's it's quite a bewildering thing is because I I can remember the day it was it was late June 2016 where Fiona and I we we realized that we were pregnant for the first time and my world changed in, in that moment. Just everything changed as I suddenly my eyes opened to actually I'm a dad. And it was weird. It was a surreal knowledge that, that actually, that I was a dad, but I wasn't yet a dad. I knew I was a dad, but I, biologically I knew I was a dad, but it wasn't real yet for me. And for the next few months, as the next nine months proceeded, as Fiona's tummy grew a little bit larger, as, uh, as, as the, 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 we went to the scans and we started to see this baby growing as we followed on the app, the, the growth journey of this little girl, uh, the, the knowledge got more and more real to me as I suddenly was going, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a dad. It was the excitement at first, now started to become mixed with excitement and terror. That, you know, all the questions you go through, this is, this is real. But nothing could surpass the moment of, of the day, 16th of March, 2017, when we went in for a C-section. We had to go for a C-section. The, uh, Olivia Grace was breached, and she had the, the cord wrapped around her neck. So we went for a C-section. And the moment when the, the doctors expertly uh, delivered this baby girl, this beautiful, gray, screaming, red-headed gorgeous thing called Olivia Grace, came out of the womb, and all of a sudden, on cue, just tears just started to fall down my face. It was almost like Coldplay was playing in the background, tears streaming down your face, and I just, the reality that I was a dad hit me like a ton of bricks. More than the nine months of, of, of preparation in my head, and this moment was so surreal, I remember as, as, uh, as this little girl started to cry, and they, and, they, and they said, cool, we have to stitch a Fiona up, so I had to go up with a pediatrician up to the, the ward to make sure everything was okay, and weigh the little girl and just the tears were just flowing. I, I'm blind at the best of times, but I was just like bumping into everything as the tears were just flowing. I couldn't stop them. It was just this incredible moment. And uh, I remember this time where put Olivia Grace in a little incubator, and she was crying, crunched up in the fetal position, this little thing. And I, I knelt down next to it, and with tears coming down, I said, and I went, hi, Olivia, it's your dad. And, and I kid you not, this little girl's little face turned, looked at me, and stopped crying. And she just, her eyes met with her dad's for the first time. And I was just like, I was like choked up beyond notes. I was like, this is, this is too cool. And then they, they said, actually, she needs some skin-on-skin time with one of the parents. Fiona is still, is still in the, uh, getting stitched up in the, in the, in the, downstairs in the theater. And then this moment then came where they took a little Olivia Grace and they, they asked me to take my shirt off. I, I said, please avert your eyes because, you know, just I don't want you to be distracted by the six-pack. And uh, anyway. I digress. But this incredible moment when they put this little girl, my little girl, on my chest, and I held her there with tears streaming. They just would not stop. And the reality that this is my girl hit me. And I tell that story. Why? Because I think actually for me, for nine months, I had the theory. I had the knowledge that I was a dad. It was beyond doubt. I knew I was a dad. But in a moment, the experience of being a father and understanding I am a dad surpassed the whole nine months that preceded it. What I'm trying to say this, this evening is that I think a lot of Christians have the theory, the knowledge that they are Christ, they've, they, they've been saved by Jesus. We sing the songs, we know it. And we've maybe walked with Jesus for many years, but actually we're lacking the experience of knowing Him, 
of seeing him in fullness, of walking in the things that Jesus said we would do and understanding the fullness of what God has saved us for. I want to tell you this evening in the series we're preaching, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is the, what, what the commentators call the, the executor of the Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one who takes the will of the Father and the, the nature of the Son and makes it known to you and I. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes the theory, the knowledge of what Jesus has done for you and I, and he applies it and makes it real in our lives. He takes all the theory, all the knowledge that you've gathered, as you've read, as you've pressed into Jesus, as you've heard, and the Holy Spirit explodes it into reality, into every heart. I want to tell you this, this evening that I'm praying for Jesus to do something like that similar in every single heart tonight. If that's all right with you, I'm very excited because uh, I've got my cell phone and for a long time I've looked at my cell phone and Fiona has her cell phone and they, they similar makes, they similar hardware. Uh, but the problem is that the cell, her cell phone seems to always be doing better things than mine. I don't understand it. I'm like, how do you do that? How does your phone look like that? How do you get those sort of emojis? How, how come I feel like I'm stuck in the 90s with my phone? They're the same phones. And then Fiona showed me this revelation. You go to settings, and you find a thing there, and it says, you know, update software. And there's a little one there. And if you press it, it updates your software. It's incredible. You see, what, what I've been doing for so long, every time it told me time to update software, I wouldn't even read it. I'll just say, remind me later. Remind me later. Remind me later. Is there anyone else like me in the, in the room tonight? You see, I want to tell you that I pray that this evening's not a remind me late tonight, that actually tonight he wants to update our software. Maybe you're looking around and say, hey, I've got all the hardware. I, I feel like I've, I know what's going on here. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come and update our software so we can do what Jesus says we can do. Is that all right? Everyone okay with that? Even if you're not, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We want to read some scripture and uh, we'll help move our way through this tonight. Rereading from the New Living Translation, Acts chapter 1. Verse 1 to 8, it says this, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray this evening. Holy Spirit, my, my prayer is simple. I pray that you would, this evening, remind us, awaken in us, who we are and whose we are. I thank you, Holy Spirit, would you come and bring to life everything that is the Father's, would you bring to life everything that the Son has accomplished for us? And you, would you make it reality, a heart-beating, a heart-pounding reality in every single heart here? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you take your seats this evening? 
massive privilege to be able to preach and be together tonight. Just a little bit of a, a, a praise just to lead us up to what's going on in the scripture we just read. Jesus has dramatically ra- been risen, uh, raised from the dead. The disciples who were on the Friday when Jesus died were in dismay and chaos and fear because they thought the game is up. Where else are we supposed to go? We gave bit our, our lives and we bit the farm all on this Jesus man and he's died. What are we going to do? But three days later, Jesus rose victoriously from the dead on the Sunday. And, and the disciples, he came and he presents himself to the disciples. And the disciples' hearts, I can imagine, just filled with such joy. And they're going, he's back. The champ is here. He's back. And I almost fell off the stage for the four, 14th time this year. And the, the disciples, I can imagine as I think about them, they're so excited. They're so pumped. They're like, Jesus, this is the, as they start to discuss with them, they're like, Jesus has died and rose again. We've got everything we need now to march to, to headquarters in Jerusalem and take a knock on the door and take on the Roman uh, Empire who've come and they, they've stolen our freedom. We've got Jesus on our side. He's going to restore the kingdom of Israel back to us. They're so pumped. They're high-fiving. They, they're ready to tweet this, that Jesus is back. And here we go all the way to Jerusalem to take on the Roman Empire. And they start to chat as Jesus spends 40 days telling them about the kingdom of God. And they're like, Jesus, we, you rose from the dead. We want to fight. And you're here starting to teach us about the kingdom of God. This is a bit strange. Come on, Jesus. We're chomping at the bit. Give us something to do. And they then start to ask Jesus these things. Say, Jesus, when are you actually going to restore the kingdom back to us? It's getting a bit awkward now. It's taken about 40 days since you rose from the dead, Jesus. Come on. We want to see some action. And Jesus answers them this way. Basically, he says to them, actually, guys, boys, it's not for you to know the times and the dates. Those are set by my Father. So don't worry about when and where and what's going to happen. But then he proceeds to outroll in front of them some very important things that they need to know. Things that they need to know in this moment. And Jesus outrolls what it actually will be like for them to be Christians in a world where he is not physically with them. And it's this profound moment as then Jesus tells them this incredible assignment we read. And and I want to tell you, never has a more important assignment been left to a less qualified group of people. It was the assignment of all assignments. The reason Jesus died and then rose again, he hands this assignment to a bunch of insecure, inadequate, insufficient followers. And he says, boys, I'm going to give you everything you need to take this message onwards, to live this life as Christ followers. And I want to say my thesis this evening is that actually what we're going to unravel this evening about the Holy Spirit, it's something that you and I are saved into. It's not something that we graduate into. This is something for everybody at the get-go. This is page one, day one of the early church. The disciples, in their fear, in their insecurities, in their inadequacies, get the mission of all missions. And he said, and I'm going to supply everything you need for it. And that's what we're going to be on about this evening. So three things. As we look at this text about what the Holy Spirit brings and what he promises us. Jesus promises us power. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I love when I read that because what I don't see in my Bible doesn't say you shall receive power when you get really spiritual. It doesn't say you shall receive power when you get mature in Christ. Come back in five years, boys. I want to see a little bit of fruit. No, no, no. He doesn't say you shall receive power when a specific somebody prays for you or when revival tents move into town. No, no, no. He says this, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Now, what's huge about this, that word power in the original language is dunamis. Just awesome. I just love saying it. Dunamis. And it just, I'm no Greek scholar, but dunamis means dynamic power, dynamite power, explosive power. The Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive dunamis. 
This is exciting stuff. Jesus putting live wire explosives in their hands, in their lives. And this incredible understanding is that if anybody reading this text with a Jewish lens would be so familiar what is going on here. You see, the book of Acts is written by the Dr. Luke, who wrote the, the Gospel of Luke. He's now continuing. This doctor is writing Acts with an agenda. And Acts chapter 1 mirrors Genesis chapter 1. The same language that's being used here of the birth of the church is being used, that was used for the birth of creation. There is creative language that's being used again and again. You see, in the beginning, as Tyler alluded to at the end of our worship time, is that at the beginning it said the world, the earth was dark, empty, and formless. But the Holy Spirit was hovering over that, over the depths. It was as dark, it was empty, formless, but the Holy Spirit was there. And with one word from the Father, as Jesus was spoken into that atmosphere, boom! You want to know if I believe in the Big Bang? Darn right I do. There was a Big Bang when Jesus spoke, and creation leapt in obedience to his word. It was loud, it was explosive, it was dunamis. The Holy Spirit was in action. And that when we read Acts chapter 1, it's actually the same language being played off here. And the Holy Spirit is spoken of as the spirit of life in the New Testament. The spirit of life. And this is so exciting for you and I, because there's creative and resurrective power in the spirit of life. Genesis 1, we see the creative power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, we see the spirit of life, the, the resurrective power of the, the Holy Spirit. That The Holy Spirit has risen Jesus from the dead. And now Jesus is saying, the creative power of the Spirit of God and the resurrective power of the Spirit of God, he says, is going to come upon you. And, and this is amazing. When we read the spirit of life, you see they could use three types of Greek words on offer for the word life. You see, and they, they're used in different moments in the New Testament. We get three, um, again, not a Greek scholar, but I, I, I looked this up, and it's very interesting. But the first option is you could use the word bios, where you get our word biology. Life, biology, biological life. But that's not the word they use when they talk about the spirit of life. They could use the word suke, where we get out the, the root word for psychology, emotional, and, and, and at a soul level life. But that's not the word they use when they say spirit of life. There's a third option. That's the option that we see as used in the New Testament. It's a word called Zoe. Zoe. And I want to tell you this word Zoe, the Zoe life of God. When it talks about the spirit of life, the spirit of Zoe is a divine, incorruptible, indestructible, eternal life of God. This is the spirit of life. The divine, incorruptible, indestructible, eternal life of God is in the Holy Spirit. The Zoe life of God. Maybe I'm losing you. Give, let me give you a little story, an anecdote to help you understand. There was a man named Gary Phillips years ago. No, no, no relation to me. But he lived in Durban and his wife and, and him for years struggled to fall pregnant. They were, they prayed, they prayed, they prayed, they trusted, they trusted, but their bios, their biology seemed to fail them. No life left up in her womb. They prayed, they looked, went for counseling, they said, there's something wrong with us, what's going on? But the, the tsuke, the psychological ed, edge of it failed them. But there was an incredible moment in the church meeting where a man who understood the principle about the Zoe life of God, a man named Ryan Matthews, who'd actually named his little daughter, who was just under one year old at the time, he had named her Zoe, believe it or not. And then a moment of prayer and moment of faith, he looked at this couple who'd been crying out for a baby for many, many years. And he took his little girl in a moment of faith. He said, actually, I'm going to prophesy and I'm going to speak the Zoe life of God into your womb. The, the indestructible, eternal, creative, and resurrective power of God into your womb. And he took his little girl and he put Zoe physically as a physical demonstration for them into, as by faith into their hands. And they received by faith. said, God, would you do this, this, what this physical act is doing? Would you do this in our womb? Where the bios had failed, where the tsuke had failed, the Zoe life of God was acted upon. And nine months later, Gary Phillips and his wife had a baby. 
No word of a lie. That's incredible. It is an amazing moment. And I love this because actually when I read the scripture, I read these words, spirit of life, my brain does the funny things. I don't know about you. My brain always wants to revert to, well, that's great for them. That sounds good for the Bible. But what I've seen doesn't quite line up. I want to tell you tonight what I'm, what I'm on about is that actually I want to raise our level of experience to the level of the word and not allow, allow us to bring the level of the word down to the level of our experience. You see, there's an understanding, this is the limit of my physics, is that actually if you hold an elastic band and you stretch it, like this in front of me, I had an elastic band, I stretched it. Physics dictates that whichever side I let go, wherever the tension releases, it's going to resolve to that, the part where I'm still holding on to. So can you get it understand? If I'm holding like it's tight like this, if I let go of the top end of it, it's going to resolve down to the bottom. If I hold it here and I let go of the bottom, it's going to resolve to the top. You see, so often what we do is we hold, we have this tension. The Word of God says this about our lives, but this is my experience. I've prayed for people. I don't know if I've seen many healings. I've trusted God, but it doesn't really work often. I haven't seen the, the, the practical. So we hold the tension. The Word of God says this, but my experience says this, but we go, I'm going to let go of the Word because this is what my experience says. I want to tell you, actually, I believe that God is calling us to live at the level of His Word, not the level of experience. I believe that's what we call to be as a people of faith. And this evening, I want to tell you, as I started to grip my heart years ago, as I started to understand, saying, actually, maybe there, this is what I read in the Scripture, is applicable in reality for my life here and now. In this century, this modern day age of social media, maybe the spirit of life, this, this Zoe dunamis power is available to me. A redhead from Zimbabwe, maybe, just maybe. So I to act on this. And a friend of mine and I, when we were at university, we started to believe what we read in the scriptures. And we started actually, when we saw people who were sick, we started to pray for them. And the amazing thing is, actually, we were not qualified to this. It probably was a bit immature and was, our faith wasn't fully fledged. But we just believed what the word said. And we started to see people get healed on campus. And in an intellectual institution where people really, they really wanted to push aside anything of their faith or anything of the supernatural, people started to see healings in front of their eyes. Broken legs getting healed in front of eyes. And as, as the word spread about that, there's two crazy guys praying for sick people and they're getting better. We, we, the, the word spread. Well, there came a moment where a young girl came and she tapped us on the shoulder and said, hey, you two, are you the guys praying for people? I thought, oh, we might be in trouble. I don't know if we were supposed to do this. Is this, is this not allowed? She goes, no, no, I need you to follow me. So he took a deep gulp and we're like, where are we going? And we just went with her. And then we followed her through the maze of classes and lecture venues. And we ended up going up some stairs. And we got to the back room of a, of a lecture venue. And uh, she said, you've got to stop here. I've got a friend in here who suffers from anemia. I nodded. I did not know what anemia was at that stage. But I just nodded, okay. She says, I need you guys to pray for her, but you need to take your shoes off first. So like, that's strange. So I took my shoes off and we pushed open the door. And then I, as the door opened, I looked and I realized that we had walked into the Bhakti Yoga Society, which is the, the, the strong arm of the Hindu organization on campus. And, and we walked in to see posters of Hindu gods around the room, of little uh, engraven statues all around the room, groups of people, students holding uh, prayer beads, muttering things in the corner. And as a little Christian boy from Zimbabwe, I went, we've hit the mother load. Like, if Sue Phillips, my mom, saw me now, uh, she would be pleading the blood over her son. You know, like, oh, no. But I went in, and there was this girl said, this is my friend. She suffered anemia. I did not know what it was. In, my, in the rationale of that moment, I didn't even bother to ask her what it was because I thought, actually, you know what? I've prayed for people that got better. Let me try it here. 
We started pray with faith. We, and we prayed. I did not know her biology. I did not know what anemia was. I did not know the bios. My psychology was a bit thrown out of it because I was like, I don't know if I should even be here. But thank goodness there was the Zoe life of God on offer. And as I started praying for her, there was a moment, the mo- a comic moment was when actually I was praying with such faith for this girl who I did not know her name. I did not even know what the disease was. I was just praying, God, would you heal this daughter of yours? I looked open our eyes at one stage. I was so fervently in it that I was actually leaning on one of the gods, the Hindu god statues. I think it was Ganesha, if I'm being honest. But I was, I was just there and I was like, you know, I just with such courage in my heart as I realized, actually, you know what? I'm not afraid of the dark. Because the Spirit of God's not. He hovers where there's darkness, where there's emptiness, where there's not anything being formed. And he says, I bring life there. This is the amazing thing. Two weeks later, that girl found us and said, I went to the doctor and my anemia, my blood disease is healed. And this is a girl who was a Hindu girl, not even a Christian girl. This didn't even make sense in my, in my grid for life. But I said, actually, I'm going to trust the Word of God on this and not lower it to what I'm seeing in front of me. This is the journey that God has got for every single one of us here. That actually He's told us that we've been given the Holy Spirit. does not shrink back. He's given us the power to bind and loose things here on earth that are in heaven. He's given us the creative and resurrective wisdom to speak. I'm losing my breath. And declare life into the darkest and most dead situations. I would tell you, it gets really practical. The spirit of life, the Zoe life, the dunamis power of God is, is on evidence, is on reality for us to say no to sin. If you are battling with sin and you've made a thousand promises and you've tried to overcome it and you don't know, why can I not get over the sin? I want to tell you, allow the Zoe life of God, the spirit of God in the situation because he is called the Holy Spirit. Not there to condemn you, but to lead you to holiness. He's there to break the shackles of addiction and of, of strongholds in your life. Run to him. He is the stronghold who brings freedom he, because Jesus says, I'll give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He gives you power to have joy no matter the circumstance. He gives you power to live with your heart at peace. And I want to say this as a, as a man, as I looked at my wall this afternoon afresh, my wall I know where the plug point is, is pulsating with power. I know that because I can plug in a television, I can plug in a kettle, I can plug in any appliance and it'll come to life. That wall is pulsating with power. But nothing will come to life until I plug it in. I think too many Christians are we like, we know Jesus has got power. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, Jesus has got power. But we're holding the plug and he's saying, plug in. Plug in, I want to allow my power to flow through you. I want to say, would you plug into the source this evening, sir, man? Secondly, this evening, Jesus does not just only promise power, he promises purpose purpose through the Holy Spirit. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. I love this because Jesus doesn't say to these young guys, you shall receive power and you'll be my businessmen. He doesn't say you'll be my creatives. You'll be my teachers. You'll be my mothers. You'll be my scientists. No, no, no. Those things are wonderful. But actually, I want to tell you, here's a disclaimer. No matter what field you find yourself in, no matter what season of life you find yourself in, Jesus says, if you are a Christian, this is what you saved into, no matter what season you're in, you shall be my witnesses. Now let me explain what that means. Witnesses basically are people who see something and then tell about it. People who see something and then speak about it. Proclaimers. I want to tell you the very essence of Christianity could be boiled down to this. You want to know you're the goal for your life? You want a bumper sticker for your car? You want something to put on your, your Twitter handle? It's this. It's to know Christ and to make him known simplicity of our mission here is to know Christ and to make him known. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to put a boldness and a passion in your heart so that you can achieve that agenda. 
The Holy Spirit, the executive of heaven, is the one who makes us walk that journey out. You see, G.K. Chesterton, a great dead guy, who, who you need a quote if you want to have some rapport with the audience every now and again. G.K. Chesterton, a great scholar and theologian, a preacher and an author, he wrote this quote that just left an indelible mark on me. He said this, he said, a burning heart will lead to a flaming tongue. I love that. A burning heart will lead to a flaming tongue. Why do I say that? Because I've been in church for years and I thought, you'll be my witnesses. I'd go, not me, that's for somebody else. At Life Change, we'd say, that's for Wally Gertzma, the guy who plants the church, because he's just good at that. Well, I haven't done the course on that yet. I haven't done Witnessing 101 yet. So I'll, I'll get there. That's for somebody else who's more gifted. Somebody's got the gift of the gab. No, that's not for me. When actually Jesus doesn't say, give us the other options, he says, every single one of us, we will be witnesses. And the way it happens, he says, we let the Holy Spirit get in your hearts. And he's going to put a burn, a passion for me that you won't be able to stop. A passion that burns so deep in my heart that, heart that you won't be able to stop yourself speaking about it. I, I explain it this way. Fiona and I, on the 20th of April, I convinced her somehow to start dating me. 20th of April, 2013, I convinced her to just be my girlfriend. And, and, and suddenly she said, okay, fine, let's give this a go. I was hoping for a bit more of an emphatic response. But she said, let's give it a go. And I was so thrilled. That on the way home, from her saying that all the way home, I had made about five or six phone calls to friends and family saying, I have got a girlfriend. Save the dates were already being sent out mentally for the wedding. I'm like, I'm in. This is it. The problem was when I got home, if Fiona almost jumped the gun because she, she sent me a text. I got home and she sent a text saying, I don't know if I'm too sure about this. Can we chat tomorrow? I thought, it's going to be the shortest lived relationship ever. But as you can see, I was able to work my magic there and work my uh, ability to talk myself out of something or into something. And the rest is history. But the thing is, the, the principle is this, that my heart was so burning with love for this girl that I could not believe that she would say yes to me, that my lips would not stop talking about it. And that's what Jesus does. The Holy Spirit does. He gets in our hearts and he burns the passion for Jesus in our hearts. If your heart is dead, you need the Holy Spirit to awaken it to life. And he'll stir a passion and we're going to speak about it. But here is something that's even more exciting or maybe terrifying. Is that word witness in the original language is translated in the Greek martyretto. We get our word martyr from. Welcome to church. Jesus says, you shall be my martyrs. Light and fluffy, isn't it? Wonderful. But basically, basically Jesus is saying, if you're going to live for this agenda, you've got to die for your own agenda. The things that hold the passions of your heart, you have to die to that and come alive to this agenda. And this is the understanding for me, is that maybe we aren't living in resurrection life because we haven't truly died yet. That's profound and worth me saying it again. Maybe we're not living in resurrection power and resurrection life because we're still clinging on to our old life. Jesus says, die to self and come alive to me. Why am I not seeing power? Have you truly died to your own agenda, sir, man? You see, this is the incredible understanding. One theologian said every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. It's two options. You're either a missionary for Jesus Christ or you're an imposter. It might sound harsh, but uh, the reality of this has gripped my heart. And uh, I, uh, for many years, I've been going to a Muslim barbershop. And, uh, and there came a moment where I befriended one of them really well. And we, we had many chats and conversations about life and, and his Muslim experience and my Christian experience. And I befriended him. I just felt like I really wasn't, I was able to be good friends with him, but not able to bridge a gap to, to clearly um, spell out my faith in front of him. There came a moment, though, 
when this uh, this barber Yusuf, um, he had a he had a clash with his bro- older brother who owned the barber shop. He had brought him all the way from Morocco. He had to work in the barber shop. He had housed him. They had had a fight, and he had been kicked out of home. He had lost his job, and now he was terrified. He says, "What am I going to do? I'm in a foreign city. Where am I supposed to go?" And Yusuf pitched up where a Muslim from Morocco pitched up at the gates of Life Changes Church, looking for Gabe Phillips, his friend who used to come get his haircut there. And Yusuf came and said, what am I supposed to do? And I don't know if I was uh, prepared for the moment, but I just, I said, actually, this is, this is my chance and my moment. And I got to explain who Jesus was. And I want to tell you, I did a great job. I, I was theologically accurate and clear. It was so well presented. I was like, this is good. We should be recording this. Just like, you know, understanding. And I, and I said it out clearly. And I, and I told that Jesus is his only hope. And I, I ended up praying with him. He thanked me. But he didn't make a decision for Christ that day. And he went away, and we still got a friendship, and I'm still trusting for that day. But what was amazing for me was that actually a few months later was I was in a coffee shop with, uh, with another friend, a man named Claude, who I'd met, and, and he was at a crisis in his life. And I remember sitting and chatting with him. And a similar moment where he said, actually, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And a moment again, I got to explain that actually I want to tell you about my faith. And this time I did a terrible job. I was stumbling every time I tried to make an important point or, or, or explain who Jesus was to me. It just was sounding like, what am I speaking about here? And a waiter would come, more coffee. I'm like, just get away. I'm trying to explain the gospel, please. It's awkward. And there's people bumping in. And I did a terrible job in the natural. But then I looked up and tears were flowing down his face. And he said, I need that. I need that. And that man gave his life to Jesus and God has left him. He's, he's, he's a changed man. He's a changed man. What am I trying to say here? That actually, it's not about our ability to get the gospel out perfectly. It's about our obedience to obey him and allow Jesus, the Holy Spirit to do his work. That, I want to tell you, this, this, this crush this misnomer, that the word, I don't know if you've known it, but it's called the anointing. And often in, in, in churches we go, the anointing was strong. Why? Because there was a type of feeling there. Or the anointing is strong on that person. That person's carrying the anointing. And it's because it's the man of God who's wearing a white suit and, and looking quite... Dramatic. I want to tell you, as I read scripture, the anointing simply follows obedience. Anointing meaning divine empowering from heaven follows when you step out in faith. Too often I've been in prayer meetings where we cry and we pray. Churches going, pour out your spirit, God. And I can imagine God going, what do you need him for? You're doing nothing that needs the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you that actually we don't need to cry out for more of the Holy Spirit because he says he's already given him to us. We just need to step out in faith and watch the anointing, the Zoe life of God to be released through us when we step out. You shall be my witnesses. I want to tell you finally this, this evening as the story goes, and he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Basically, he strips them off their limitations. He strips off all the earthly limitations upon them. He puts heaven expectations upon them. He takes these boys from the backwater towns of, of Israel and, and Jerusalem, and, and, and he explodes them. He says, guys, this, this, the story I've got for you is bigger than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. And I'm going to power you. I'm going to give you purpose for this task. And basically, Jesus lays before them the Mount Everest of assignments. It would leave any one of us quaking in our boots. Jesus says, I'm leaving this to you guys. The Mount Everest of assignments. And he says, but the incredible thing for, for us this evening is that this promise of power, you shall receive power. And this, this call to purpose and be my witnesses, the ones who proclaim, who carry my life and speak and show my life. I want to tell you that what's wedged in between that says, you shall receive power. You will be my witnesses is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
the incredible news for you and I is that he's promised us his presence. He's promised us his power. He's promised us his purpose, but he's promised us his presence. And I want to tell you, I, I, if I think a guy who's never even climbed Table Mountain apart from the cable car, if somebody said to me today, you have to, Gabe, go climb Mount Everest. No, no shame on any of you, but I'm not asking any of you to lead me up Mount Everest to the summit. I'm going to Mount Everest, and I'm finding a Sherpa who's been up there many times and knows the routes and navigates, knows where to go. And I'm saying, you're the one leading me. This is the understanding that actually when we've got this assignment to go to the top, where God has called us to go on this journey, we need to find somebody who is familiar with the summit. The Bible tells us the Spirit of God knows the secret things of the Father. He knows, he knows the treasures of Christ, and He wants to make them available and known to you and I. He knows the summit, and Jesus says that one is the one who's going to lead you, who's going to guide you, who's going to call you and walk you through this journey as you trust Him for moments of power, of moments of lives of purpose, and trust Him. Would you follow Him every step of the way? This, this is the call of Jesus for us tonight. Because maybe this is just for my own heart, but I pray it's for yours as well. I think we need to quit surrounding ourselves with naysayers, with the voices of critics, with cynics, and people who are only familiar with the base. People who say, healing really? Does that really still happen? Breakthrough? Does, does God really still intervene like that in our lives? People who are cynical, people who have never, ever experienced the glory of the summit. Actually, surround yourselves with people who are people of faith, who are calling you onwards and upwards. Because the Holy Spirit operates in atmospheres of faith. And this is where I want to land, that actually I believe the Holy Spirit, Jesus has promised us His power, He's promised us His purpose, He's promised us His presence along this journey. But He says, actually, I believe the Holy Spirit is given to those who are hungry. The Bible says, those who hunger for righteousness shall be filled. And here's the thing, if, if you're not hungry, I want to suggest, if you're not hungry, if there's not a desire in your heart for the Spirit of God, I want to suggest without being critical or judgmental, something is wrong. How do I know that? When my little girl, Olivia Grace, she eats us out of house and home, everything off her plate and our plate as well. But when she says, I'm not hungry, and she stops eating, it's a clue for us to know something's wrong. When a child stops eating, it's time to go and check the temperature because maybe she'll be sick. He or she may be sick. I want to tell you, as a Christ follower, if there's no hunger for the more of God, if your heart doesn't stir as we read scripture and do this and say, actually, I want more, it's time to say, Jesus, would you burn your hunger in my heart afresh? Don't leave here with a lack of hunger. Don't walk out of here thinking that's okay. Because as Christ followers, we are made to hunger for our home, hunger for the power of God, hunger for the purposes of Christ, hunger for His presence. That is who we're supposed to be. Don't leave here with an absence of, with a, with an absence of hunger in your heart. Hunger is the key. Surrender to Him is the key, but also obedience and trust in God. Actually, I'm going to step out in faith, and maybe I haven't been this way before. Maybe I don't even understand, fully understand the theology of this, but I'm going to step out in faith and receive your Holy Spirit for this task, this assignment you've got for me, and watch Jesus take the lid off your life like you've never known before. I land with this as I, can I call the band up, please? I, I had this image this whole weekend of that actually that a lot of the church is like a rocking chair. My life, I think, is like a rocking chair often. I don't know if you've seen a rocking chair recently, but a rocking chair goes backwards and forwards again and again. There's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of energy being ex- uh, expended. There's a lot of uh, movement, but there's no progress. The rocking chair is, is going and stuff is happening, but there's nothing actually resulting from it. I think a lot of the church, a lot of Christianity is there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of songs being sung, there's a lot of preaching happening, there's a lot of uh, conversations happening, 
but actually there's no progress. We're not walking in the purposes and power that God's got for us because we haven't allowed the Spirit of God to lift us out of our rocking chairs and into the walk of life of purpose. I want to encourage you tonight that my heart is stirred to actually allow the Spirit of God, the dunamis power of God, the Zoe power of God, the Spirit of life to come and say, out of your rocking chair, out of your ordinary, out of your, your excuses, out of your lameness, out of your apathy, and actually, will you receive my power? Will you receive my purposes? And will you walk with my presence to what I've got for you? Can we stand to our feet this evening? I'm so excited. I don't know about you. This Holy Spirit series has come at just the right time for me. I think my heart was wavering. Has been My heart for the last little while has been stuck in a bit of a rocking chair, trying to get everything neat and tidy, got to get the right movement going, but actually not going anywhere. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us. It's been given to us as a gift, not for the qualified, not for the overly spiritual, not for the people who've done this for a long time, but for every single one of us. The Spirit of God is on offer if you're hungry. If you're hungry, he says, I will fill you. I'm going to ask you, can you close your eyes tonight? I believe tonight's a night where maybe you're there and Jesus is saying, will you plug into the source? You're holding this, this thing. You know there's power in Jesus. You know it. You know theory. But I want to tell you, just as I started with the story of Olivia at her birth, there's an experience that needs to come to our Christianity if we're going to start walking forward. And the experience of Christ only comes to the Holy Spirit, the executive of heaven, who makes everything that is Christ known to you and I.